What's going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It is heard live every day from noon to three on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content like invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with all the links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And again, thank you so much for your support. Last hour, we were talking about the Convention of States. They got a rally going on on Wednesday up in Raleigh. Conventionofstates.org is the website if you want to um, get details on it. Um, and I recognize that I may be, and I, I kind of chuckle to myself as I'm saying this, but I may be more of an optimist than even I thought. Um, I try to trust the the infrastructure that was put in place. I recognize also that I have I have in the past maybe not always been as optimistic as I am now. And maybe that's because I've gotten older or maybe it's because I've kind of seen the abyss and I get worried about what's in the abyss. And so it's best to try to keep what we have, the infrastructure in place. We try to salvage that. It's man-made after all, so it's going to deteriorate. So it requires human intervention in order to you know, keep it up and running, keep it functioning. And sometimes there are parts that are going to decay, become corrupted, and they need to be excised. And and portions that are working well need to be supported. So with a convention of states model, I'm under no illusion that we get everything that we want. As a as a limited government proponent, believe me, like like guys, I'm a like a, a lowercase L libertarian. I tend to vote for the libertarians that are on the ballot. And I have never, I don't think I have ever cast a vote for a, no, I mean, I've never cast a vote for a major party candidate for president. So I know what it's like to lose elections. <laughs> I know what it's like to lose. I'm a, I'm a libertarian. I know what it's like to lose. Come on, people, right? The, the, we don't win anything ever. And so, yeah, so the tilting at windmills like Don Quixote, I mean, that's the, but, but, but there is, I think, value in the fight. And, and the, you are providing an example to others that may come later, that it may be if, if you're not successful, but there's still value in walking to, this is, I do it, this is the point of the, of the show, you walk towards the fight. If you are going to get in this arena, you got to walk towards the fight. You have to. Otherwise, what are you doing? You have to engage. Otherwise, why are you here? Right? You have to engage in the great debate. The great debate. The size of government. You know, freedom, tyranny. This is it. Marxism, capitalism, this is it. This is the great debate. And if you think we're going to win in your lifetime, I don't think it ever ends, by the way. That's, and maybe that's where I've kind of come to peace with this is that it doesn't ever end because it is rooted in human nature. And if you were trying to create an evil system, Marxism would check the boxes. OK, so um, that I don't think you ever get out from the debate. And I understand some people are not geared for it. They got a different chip in the brain, whatever. They're arguing, you know, about sports or they're arguing about business or that's where they're focused on. And that's great. But if you are engaging in the political debate, in this great debate, then you got to walk towards it and you don't get to just throw your hands up and say, what's it all for? Who cares? Because if that's if that's your approach. Then there's no value there. 
There isn't any value. All you're doing is undermining the confidence of, allegedly, your allies, right? If I'm your ally and we're like, yeah, let's get ready to go to march into battle, and you're like, ah, we're going to lose. All right, get this guy out from next to me. I don't want him standing next to me. I don't want defeatists, right? I want I want people who are the happy warrior, right? The one that's like, I am ready to go into this arena. I am willing to go in and make these arguments, and I'm willing to uh, uh, to meet our adversaries and to try to recruit allies where they are. Th- those are the people I'm interested in reaching. And so uh, when I uh, talk about the Convention of States, this is the infrastructure we have as citizens at our disposal when we cannot influence Congress to rein in spending or to um, uh, uh, to limit the length of service, quote unquote, that they are up in Washington, D.C. for, right? When we want these things and we can't get it because our congressional districts have gotten too big, they're not responsive, right? They're bought off by special interests and all that. The government closest to the people governs best. And so you go to the legislature and you've got more like, you're, you have a, a better chance of persuading your local lawmakers. But by the way, it, it's not something that um, it's not something that that is easily obtained and therefore esteemed too lightly, right? That's the, that it's going to take time. You got to organize. You got to have allies. You got to you got to drive up to Raleigh. You got to meet with lawmakers. You got to post stuff. You got to have the conversations. It's tough. It's difficult. It's supposed to be time consuming. It's not supposed to be easy because if it's easy, anybody can do it. And if anybody can do it, then you can dismantle all of the infrastructure like that. I don't want that. That's why people are like, oh, I want Congress to do stuff. I don't. I'm fine. Look, I am fine with them not doing a lot of stuff because the more stuff they do, <laughs> the worse it usually ends up for us. So I'm okay with the you know gridlock and, and nothing happening up there. That's good for me. It's supposed to be difficult. But if you see the difficulty and you say, well, why bother? Then, then I agree. Why bother? You should go do something else. Focus your attention on something else. Because this is not, this is not the arena for you. And that's fine. I don't mean that as like, uh, I'm not trying to, you know, with me or against me. I'm not being pejorative or anything. I'm just like some people, and by the way, this is also important. Stop to sharpen your axe so you can cut more wood. Right. You, you, everybody like this can't consume you all the time. Right. You got to have some other hobbies. You got to do some other stuff uh, so you don't get um, uh, drained. And if you do, you can get recharged. Stop to sharpen your axe so you can cut more wood. Right. These are just things that I have learned over you know doing this now 20 years. Y- you have to be able uh, to recharge. And whether that's, you know, unplugging for a while or, you know, reading some different books or watching some different movies or whatever, you got to find something else. Take your mind off of uh, current events for a little while. Let me go over here to George. Hello, George. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey. Oh, very well, Pete. Thanks for having me sure. on. Uh, you know, I'm giving my time, energy, and money in support of the Convention of States efforts here in North Carolina. And your caller's sincerity is touching my comment is this is exactly why we need to 
pull this off, this Article 5 Convention of States, because we need more conversation. We need a national conversation Mm -hmm. of citizens about the issues that are sharply dividing us, because we need to come to some kind of agreement. It won't be everything I want. It won't be everything that the other guy wants, but it will be a consensus that, yes, we can live with this. And you you are explaining it, I think, very well. Um, and so that's why, that's why I got involved a year and a half ago. Well, I would say also it's, it's similar to the, um, the discussion about the fair tax or even a flat tax yeah. in, in that uh, it, if the conversation is always about tax brackets, rich versus poor, like if it's always right. about that, then the demonization uh, you know, takes hold and uh, you lose sight of what the actual arguments are about. If, it's, if you've got a fair tax or you have a flat tax, the argument becomes then about a number. It's just a, sim- yeah. it's just a number. The same thing yeah. with the Roe v. Wade argument. I, I've always argued that it should have been back to the states, right? That it never should have been decided at the federal right. level, and the states should, be having, um, uh, should have the control. Well, now we're having those debates, and that to me is a very healthy thing. That's what this is supposed to be, and it's supposed to be messy, and people are supposed to disagree about stuff, and it doesn't mean you're going to win every argument, but this is the way it's supposed to be, and this is where those decisions are supposed to occur. And to your point, it's a lot easier for me to have a conversation with Gray Mills, who is my representative in in Raleigh in the House, and Mm -hmm. Vicki Sawyer, who is my representative to the Senate in Raleigh, than it is Patrick McHenry or Tom Tillis, because uh, you know those guys. I don't. I don't think they're evil-minded. They're just too many. Too many people trying to get their a piece of their time. Right. I mean, a congressional district is now like what eight hundred, eight hundred fifty thousand people. Um, the, yeah. yeah. The 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 Senate. Uh, you know, Tillis represents what ten million, eleven million people of the state. Right. Yeah. How, right. how do how do you get FaceTime unless you happen upon him at like a brewery or something? Like, wh- yeah. how do you do that? And yeah, uh, exactly. with your local representatives, you can actually drive up to Raleigh, take three yeah. hours, drive up to Raleigh, hang out in the General Assembly, and um, you can probably run into twenty, thirty state lawmakers right there and talk to them for a couple minutes apiece. Hey, Tuesday night, I was at the Lake Norman Republican Women's uh, meeting, monthly meeting, and Gray Mills was there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I right there. I mean, just hanging out. And I'd seen Vicki Sawyer at uh, the Iredell yep. County GOP. So that, you know, I just want to thank you for bringing this up and I think representing the issues well, and I, I hope people will give a national conversation a chance yeah. because I'm tired of hearing the politicians. I, I agree. I appreciate the call, George. Thanks a lot. Have Thank a great you, weekend, sir. All right. Thank and keep you. up the, uh, keep up the good work there. I appreciate it. All right. Now you've heard me talk about them. Old grouches, military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U S military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at old grouches is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was old grouches. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com.
All right, so some more emails here. A lot of pessimism. A lot of pessimism here on a Friday. Like this one from GJM, if that is your real name. Um, who says, even if this pipe dream convention of states actually happened and constitutional amendments were actually passed, the current corrupt federal government at the executive, judicial, and legislative branch would simply refuse to acknowledge the amendments, which would then result in dissolution of the union anyway. We are much more likely to see a single state pass articles of secession, which also results in dissolving the voluntary union. All roads lead to separation. Okay, so then why do you care? Why care? Right? It, so you should actually support it then. Support the articles of, con, uh, uh, or the, uh, the Article 5 Convention of States. If you support the Convention of States because you want to see the dissolution of America, you want to break it, right? As all patriots do. Um, so if you want to break it apart, then, um, yeah, like, uh, uh, support it. Like, right? Isn't that the, is that the moral of the story here? You've, uh, I mean, just, so you say you're more, you think we're more likely to see a single state try to secede. I, I don't know how you would game that out. I don't know what's more likely or not. Oh, we could check out the betting. Isn't there like. Isn't it like in Ireland or something where they got like the 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 like the the bookies and stuff and they bet on like political outcomes and they're always looking at who's who's got the money on them as the favorite to win and all of that. Anyway, uh, may, I don't know. Maybe there are people taking bets on whether it's going to be a secession or it's going to be whatever this dissolution is. But this is the Tenth Amendment argument. People, I've heard this from like the Tenth Amendment Center and the uh, Thomas Woods folks, right? Like that they. They want secession as the, you know, nullification, right? They, they want that route. We're just going to stop participating. And first off, I think we've already tested the secession argument about 150 years ago. It didn't turn out very well for the secessionists. Maybe it turns out different next time, whatever. But a lot of people are going to die. It's going to be pretty violent. And then when we're, you know, violently dying, uh, other Countries will probably come in and start grabbing chunks of land because it's war. It's the breakdown of all rule, right? So everybody just starts grabbing their own stuff. And before you know it, you got, you know, China takes over California. I mean, more than they already have at this point, right? Like, then, yeah, you, you, you don't know how that game's out. But there are a lot of people that absolutely are egging it on. They do want it. Um, I'm not one of them, but I can, you know... I, I can read the social media posts and maybe all of those people are just, you know, internet tough guys and, you know, virtual muscles and all of that. But, um, but there seem to be a good number of people right and left that, uh, seem to want that kind of violent, uh, secession or separation, national divorce. And if, you know, you gain this out, like you're saying that you get the convention of states actually called and then you get an amendment that comes out, a proposed amendment for term limits, and then you get it ratified by 38 or more states, and then if your argument is your prediction, and that's all it is, it's a guess, right? Your prediction is that that they would simply refuse to acknowledge the amendments. I'm not sure how that happens. And then you say it results in dissolution of the union anyway, so if that's what you're angling for, then help us get a convention of states. And I welcome your help because I don't think your guess is accurate. I would be banking on people following the law, but you're banking on them not following the law. And 
Yeah, so it sounds like we, we have the same, we may have different ends, but we have the same means, right? We got the same means. So I welcome your support to call a convention of states. Thank you, GJM. See that? I knew, so like, I can try and make peace with, like, anybody. Like, common ground. I'm all about solutions here. All right, now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply. 2,000 square feet of supplies. The full line of Augustan Farms and Mountain House Foods. Books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Here's an email from Stan who says, Term limits won't do any good unless the same people who voted for the person being ousted don't get to vote for his replacement. It's tantamount to the scene in Blazing Saddles in which the sheriff has a gun to his own head and says, Quick! Kill me before I kill the sheriff. Yes, cleaned up for today's overly offended crowd. Yes. Um, well, and look, I understand, like, I go back and forth on the term limits because, like, there are pros and cons to it. But I think that there has to be a message sent. We've got term limits in other areas, and we have term limits for the presidency. I'm open to the to the you know debating the particulars six year terms you know is it three or four terms for a house member two terms for senate or something or maybe it's you know the house you get six terms so 12 years total if you can't do it in 12 years you can't do it but it also puts people on a clock right and they start trying to do stuff but also it gets them out of there if they become so entrenched because of the special interest money um Uh, This is from uh, Joseph uh, as a follow-up. He says, I'm extremely black-pilled on America, but I'm still interested in politics and current events because the country is more than political shysters or mid-tier college grads with a government job. I think disillusionment with the country is a political force of its own. A country this large has to function on the people believing in its power even more than its actual power. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it's faith. It's the full faith and credit. You know, it's just like the dollar. Right? You got to, right? It, it only works when we all believe it works. And this is what's so dangerous when I talk about the, the, the destruction of the institutions and the norms, right? When you, when, and, and this carries over into the refusal of uh, district attorneys to prosecute people for breaking the law, right? Is that when you send the message effectively enough that, you know, people are not going to be charged and lawlessness reigns. Then the people who were following the law because they were afraid of getting caught, they were following the law out of a sense of duty that we all we are all following the same rules and stuff. When they start seeing that nobody's following the rules and nothing's happening to them for not doing so, then more people are going to engage in that kind of lawlessness. And that's not a healthy society. Right. So I, I do agree with that. You undercut that, you can conceivably collapse the corrupt institutions in the least traumatic way possible. I disagree with that, though. I disagree with that. I mean, aside from the American Revolution, how many times has the has the revolution yielded a better result? You know? 
Seriously. The same argument that people use about the corruptocrats that are running everything and all the powers that be, right, that that that's why we can't do an Article 5 convention because it'll all be corrupted or the whole system will come down. Why do you think that those same people would not seize power? Of course they would. You don't get to have that both ways. Like, they, right, you don't get to say that we can't change it through these legal means because they'll corrupt the system. But if we blow up the whole system and there's no laws and we're all scrambling for the, you know, for the ring during this power vacuum that the people with all of those resources that they're not going to do the same thing, except now they'll be unrestrained by any kind of a, you know, a semblance or a fig leaf of uh, of the color of law. I don't buy it. A um, couple of messages here. This one first from uh, MAGA, American Pitbull, says, Pete, the callers are a reminder that apathy is worse than conflict. They don't care about America anymore. And here's another one uh, from Russ who says it is so disappointing to hear so many ideological allies say that we can't try because the other side might push back and make it uncomfortable. What happened to doing the right thing because it's the right thing? We've already seen what lack of action gets, so let's try something new. I agree, Russ. Um... Okay, I don't know what that is. I haven't seen that. Somebody just sent me some link to a video or a story, and I, I don't open links, just a heads up. I don't open links. You send me a link, you better just, like, write something about it because chances are I'm not opening it. It's how I, uh, it's how I don't get uh, viruses. All right, so David Brooks, the, uh, the, uh, the moderate liberal guy who uh, pretends to be the conservative writer for the New York Times. No, the other one. Uh, not David French. This is David Brooks. He was the original one. Not Jennifer Rubin. She's the one at the Washington Post. This is uh, David Brooks. He's at, okay. So David Brooks at the New York Times, he says, uh, there are a lot of us in the Northeastern media who properly spend a lot of time slamming the Republican Party for what a mess it's become. I have only one question. If we are right, why are so many people leaving blue states so they can live in Redwoods? Blind squirrel finds acorn. There you go. Stopped clock right right now. Right. If the Republican Party is so bad, why are all these people fleeing these blue cities and blue states and coming to the red states? Why? I have said this in different ways over the years. It seems to me that if leftists really want to be fulfilled and happy, generally speaking, their best bet is to live in a red state. It's true. Best bets to live in a red state. Because you get to enjoy all of the freedoms that a red state provides you. The business climate, the low taxes, right? You get all of that. And you get to feign moral and righteous indignation and superiority, right? You get to you you get to LARP that. Live action role play. LARPing. Yeah, you get to you get to LARP that. You get to pretend. You get to you get to engage in the performance, the theater uh, of how you're superior than the people that are running everything around you because you're a Democrat, you're a progressive, so you're better. You got the better ideas, and oh, if only I was in charge. 
which is why you stay in the red state. So you never actually have to be in charge because when you are in charge, well, people flee your state because it's terribly run. But here's the thing, and Brooks is correct to point this out too, which is, the yes, people are fleeing the blue states for the red states, but they are landing in blue cities. A lot of them are landing in blue cities. But also, he does not point this out, but I know this to be true because we saw the stats on it a couple of weeks ago, which is that uh, the rural populations in North Carolina, for example, have been growing, growing redder, which means you got a lot of Republicans from other states that are retiring, they're moving out of those states, and they're coming down and they're getting out of cities altogether. So there's a couple, a couple dynamics at play here. Between 2010 and 2020, the fastest growing states were mostly red, places like Texas, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, uh, South Carolina. During the pandemic, that trend accelerated, and once again, most of the big population-gaining states are governed by Republicans. And if you go back further, it's quite a stat that the Sun Belt now makes up most of the country in population. Did you know that? So David Brooks at the New York Times... He says, if you go back further, you see decade after decade of migration towards the more conservative South. The Brookings Institution, I think it's because of air conditioning. I really do. I think it's because of air conditioning. Uh, The Brookings Institution demographer William Fry has noted that in 1920, the Northeast and the Midwest accounted for 60% of America's population. Okay, so 100 years ago, 60%. Six out of ten Americans lived in the Northeast or the Midwest. Now, 62% of our population live in the Sun Belt. Mm-hmm. Why are these red states growing so rapidly? The short answer is, we are awesome. This, the, okay, no, he didn't say that. He says they are more pro-business. Things like lower taxes, Fewer restrictions on home construction, which leads to lower housing prices. Other factors, Americans are moving away from blue states with high energy costs and Byzantine regulatory regimes and unfriendly business climates. They're moving to economically vibrant red states with lower costs, more conservative fiscal policies, and more job opportunities. So that's the simple story, right? Republican policies work. Democrat policies don't. Well, not quite. When you look inside the red states where the growth is occurring, you notice immediately that the dynamism is not mostly in the red parts of the red states. The growth is usually in the metro areas, which makes sense because they got the infrastructure, right, already. Um, And that's where a lot of the jobs go because there are more people there, so you have a bigger talent pool to fish in, right? Um, He goes on to say, so uh, if this is the formula that produces a dynamic cosmopolitan uh, society... Where is the political party that's conservative leaning on business matters and more liberal leaning on things like education, immigration, and workforce development? Where's the party that stands for the policy blend that manifestly works? (laughs) So, I mean, there, that's David Brooks. Who's got a David Brooks. I mean, he's just, you know, it's what he does. It's right there in his name. State lawmakers, according to national reviews, Michael Lucci, State lawmakers have been driving down income tax rates across the map for two consecutive fiscal years, and they show no sign of relenting in 2023. 
the extraordinary wave of state income tax cuts that began in 2021 continues now as states like West Virginia, North Dakota, and Kentucky are moving quickly to cut rates this year, as is North Carolina, by the way. Strong state revenue made the recent wave of tax cuts possible. Changes in federal tax law enacted in 2017 and the rise of remote work following the pandemic that allows workers to move to better managed, lower tax states gave lawmakers the further incentive to act, resulting in unprecedented interstate tax competition. All right, this is one of the things that the pandemic uh, has brought to the surface. People don't necessarily want to live in the cities. And I say this as somebody who wanted to live in the city. I wanted, when I moved to Charlotte, um, my first apartment in Charlotte was um, down in the uh, South, not really South Park area. It was off of uh, Selwyn Avenue and um, Woodlawn Road, yeah, Park Road Shopping Center area down there. And I used to love walking around the neighborhood. I could walk up to Selwyn Pub. I could walk over to the Harris Teeter over there, and um, I go walk to a movie if I wanted to. Right, so I was. I was in. I wanted to be an urban pioneer, right? That is what they call them in the you know new urbanism vernacular. Urban pioneer, young, um, you know, single, uh, but you know, working in radio, so couldn't afford and to live in the center city because at the time there were like I think two, two condo complexes, and like Michael Jordan was living in one of them, right? I mean, that's how expensive it was, right? The Radcliffe on the Green, and then there was one that was at the old uh, uh, drugstore. Uh, the old Wool- Woolworth building or something, I forget, or department store. Anyway, they're not, there wasn't any residential in Uptown or anywhere near Uptown. And one of the things that we saw was like the, uh, uh, with the, the mass transit system, right, the light rail line, was to get denser development inside the city core. And I always understood the arguments from a land use perspective, right? The congestion argument and the air pollution arguments never made sense to me. They never persuaded me, but the the land use arguments did. So if you're trying to direct the the development and then you give people an option, so if they don't want to own a car, they don't have to. They can kind of walk all around and do that. Fine. I was one of those people who would have very much liked to have lived in a city. You know what did it for me, though, is even more than the pandemic. I mean, Christy and I, we, we had apartments close to well, – one, at one point, we – when we got her into an apartment, when I was working in Asheville, we sold our house and I was kind of going back and forth between Charlotte and Asheville working in, working in Asheville. So I had a little studio apartment above a garage and we put Christy in an apartment here in Charlotte. And then on weekends we would, we would go back and forth. And so we had an apartment in center city right outside. Well, yeah, I mean, it was over there near the, uh, the aquatic center near the NASCAR hall of fame, right? And even more than shutting down all of the amenities, the pool and the, the lounge and everything, like sh- shutting down all of the amenities that you pay for without getting a reduction in rent, aside from that, it was the security issues, the riots, the, the street takeovers and such. Yeah, I don't want to live in that kind of a setting anymore.